Part two, chapters thirteen through fifteen of Bessie's Fortune by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thirteen, the new gray. That was what Neil signed himself in the first letter he sent to Bessie after his return to London, and in which he assured her that he was instant in season and out of season in his endeavours to be like the American and make himself worthy of the dearest little girl a man ever called his wife he had borne with perfect equanimity his mother's frequent ebullitions of temper had read aloud to blanche for two hours when she had a headache although he wanted so much to go to his club and had listened daily without a sign of impatience to his father's tiresome talk upon politics and the demoralized condition of the country generally then he told her how much he loved her and how a thought of her and her sweet face was constantly in his mind inspiring him to a nobler life than he had hitherto been living and bessie as she read his letter felt her love grow stronger for him and her face grew brighter and lovelier each day and there was a ring of gladness and hopefulness in her voice as she went singing about the house thinking of the future which stretched so pleasantly before her and in which she could be always with neil the new gray sometimes she thought of the real gray who was still at oxford which neil had left for good he was not fond of study and greatly preferred his idle pleasant life at home breakfasting when he pleased and as he pleased either in bed or in the breakfast-room lounging through the morning playing duets with blanche sorting her worsteds for her or teasing her about the grotesque figures she was embroidering and calling shepherd boys and girls the comfort and luxury of trevelyan house suited him better than stoneleigh and now that he was engaged and there was no probability of his marrying blanche her society was not half as distasteful to him as it had formerly been neither were her eyebrows as light nor her shoulder-blades as sharp and he began to think she really was a good-natured kind of a girl and played splendidly and then he remembered with a pang that bessie did not play at all except simple accompaniments to songs and found himself wondering in a vague kind of way what people would say to a mrs neil macpherson who had no accomplishments except a sweet voice for ballad singing and a tolerable knowledge of french and german which she had picked up when a child leading a bohemian life on the continent bessie was neither learned nor accomplished nor fashionable but she was good and pure and beautiful and neil loved her with all the intensity of his selfish nature and meant to be true to her he wrote to her three times a week long letters full of love and tenderness and of grey gerald with whom he corresponded once he tried to tell his mother of his engagement she had been speaking to him of blanche talking as if everything were settled and asking why it were not as well to announce the engagement at once because neil said to her i am not engaged to blanche and do not know that i ever shall be to tell you the truth mother i love my cousin bessie better than any woman living and if i had money of my own i would marry her to-morrow this was a great deal for neil to say knowing his mother as he did and possibly he might not have said it could he have foreseen the storm which followed his declaration what she had once before said to him upon the subject was nothing when compared with her present anger and scorn as she assured him again and again that if he married bessie macpherson she would at once cut off his allowance and leave him to shirk for himself that was the way she expressed it for she could be very coarse in her language at times even if she were a titled lady bessie should never enter her house as her daughter-in-law she said and she would not only cut off neil's allowance during her life but at her death would leave what little money she had to some one else jack trevelyan perhaps who would represent the family far better than her scapegrace son with his low macpherson tastes after this neil could not tell her 
on the contrary he bent every energy to keep the secret from her and never again mentioned bessie or stoneley in her presence but devoted himself to blanche in a friendly brotherly kind of way which kept the peace in that quarter and left him in quiet but his thoughts were busy with plans for the future when bessie would be his wife and he disinherited for her sake once he calculated the possibility of living at stoneley on the meagre annuity which he knew archie received and which would die with him but he could not do that and he called himself a sneak for considering the matter an instant if there was something i could do which would not compromise me he thought i might become an inventor or an author i could do better at that for i have some talent for yarning they say wilkie collins and george elliot make heaps of money with their pens yes i believe i'll try it and so neil shut himself in his room for some hours each day and commenced the story which was to make his fortune but as bessie sat for his heroine and grey gerald for his hero he became furiously jealous when he reached the love passages and tearing up his manuscript in disgust abandoned the field of authorship for ever suddenly his thoughts turned to the old aunt in america whom his fancy painted as fabulously rich she could help him and perhaps if he wrote her the right kind of a letter she would and so he set himself to the task which proved harder even than the story-writing had been neil knew his aunt betsy was very eccentric and he hardly knew how to make her understand him without saying too much and so ruining his cause by jove i'll tell her the truth that i want money in order to marry bessie he said and he took bessie for his starting paint and waxed eloquent as he described her sweetness and beauty and told of her life of toil and care and self-denial at stoneley with her father whom he represented as just on the verge of the grave then he told of his engagement and his mother's fierce opposition to it and the sure poverty which awaited him if he remained true to his cousin as he meant to do and then he came to the real object of his letter and asked for money on which to live until his mother was reconciled as she was sure to be in time when she knew how lovely and good bessie was a few thousand pounds would suffice he said as he knew his father would allow him to occupy a house in warwick crescent which belonged to him and which would save his rent and then growing bolder as he advanced he hinted at the possibility that his aunt might be intending to make bessie her heir and said if it were so he should be glad to know it and would keep the secret religiously from bessie until such time as he might reveal it a speedy answer to this letter was desired and neil closed by signing himself your very affectionate nephew neil macpherson he posted the letter himself and feeling almost sure of a favourable response went and bought bessie a small solitaire ring such as he could afford and sent it with the most loving hopeful letter he had yet written to her fourteen miss macpherson and the letter nine years had made but little change in miss betsie macpherson either mentally or physically as she had been at the thanksgiving dinner when we first met her so she was now with possibly a little sharper tone in her voice and a shade more of eccentricity in her nature as she lived alone then with her two servants so she lived alone now with the same cook in the kitchen but not the same housemaid to attend her flora had been married for five or six years to a respectable mechanic and lived in a small white house across the common with three children to care for two boys and a girl this last she had thought to call for her former mistress to whom she had timidly expressed her intention asking if she would be godmother flo is a fool to saddle her child with a name she hates miss macpherson thought but she consented to act as sponsor and wore her best black silk in honour of the occasion when sunday came and she took her accustomed seat in church 
but her thoughts were evidently not upon the service for she knelt in the wrong place and once said aloud in her abstraction let us pray and there was a twinkle in her round bright eyes and a grim smile on her face when she at last arose and straight and stiff as a darning-needle walked up the aisle and took in her arms the little pink and white baby who was to bear her name it was a pretty child and as she held it for a moment and looked into its clear blue eyes fixed so questioningly upon her face there came to her the thought of another little blue-eyed girl who had come to see her on the sands of aberystwyth and the touch of whose hands as they rubbed and patted the folds of her dress she could feel even now after the lapse of many years that child had said to her that betsy was a horrid name this child in her arms would think so too and hate it all her life and when the clergyman said name this child she answered in a loud clear voice which rang distinctly through the church bessie macpherson no no oh no flora gasped in a whisper it is betsy ma'am it is for you hush i know what i am about was whispered back and so bessie macpherson and not betsy was received into christ's flock and signed with the sign of the cross and given to the happy mother happier than she dared to own because of the change of name the next day five hundred dollars were placed in the allington savings bank to the credit of bessie macpherson bowen and the spinster washed her hands of the whole affair as she expressed it to herself but she could not quite forget the child and when on the monday evening after the christening she sat by her open fire with her round tea-table at her side there was a thought of it in her mind and she said to herself i am glad i did not give it my name betsy is not very poetical and they are sure to call you bets when they are angry at you bessie is better and sweeter every way and then her thoughts went over the sea after that other bessie her own flesh and blood of whom she had not heard in years it was very seldom that her brother john wrote to her and when he did he never mentioned archie or his family and so she knew nothing of them except that daisy was still carrying on her business at monte carlo and was known as an adventuress to every frequenter of the place but where was bessie miss macpherson asked herself as she gazed dreamily into the fire was she like her mother a vain coquette and a mark for coarse jests and vulgar admiration for the girl must be pretty she said there was the promise of great beauty in that face and true pure womanhood too if only she were well brought up and then through the woman's heart there shot a pang as she wondered if she had done right to leave archie and his child to their poverty all these years might she not have done something for them and so perhaps have saved the daughter from sin the little room at the head of the stairs was still kept just as it was when she was expecting bessie there was the big doll in the corner the dishes on the shelf and the single bed with its lace hangings was freshly made every month and by its side each night the lonely woman knelt and prayed for the little girl who had come to her on the sands and looked into her eyes with a look which had haunted her ever since but of what avail was all this ought she not to have acted as well as prayed what was faith without works and if bessie had gone to destruction as most likely she had was it not in part her fault such were the questions tormenting miss macpherson when at last winnie came in to remove the tea-things and brought with her a letter which she gave into her mistress's hand it was neil's letter and miss betsy examined it very carefully before opening it wondering who had written her from london and experiencing a feeling that its contents would not prove altogether agreeable adjusting her spectacles a little more firmly on her nose she opened it at last and read it through very slowly taking in its full meaning as she read and commenting to herself in her characteristic way 
two years before she had met an old acquaintance from london who knew neil and disliked him consequently the impression she had received of him was not altogether favourable a good-looking well-meaning fellow the man had said but very indolent and selfish and proud with an inordinate love of money and respect for those who have it and in this opinion the spinster was confirmed by his letter let me see she said taking off her glasses and regarding the fire intently he wishes me to send him a few thousand pounds to enable him to marry his cousin and live in idleness in his father's house on warwick crescent until his mother is reconciled and he wishes to know if i intend to make bessie my heir no my fine london gentleman if bessie ever has a fortune it will not be from me now if neil wanted this money to set himself up in business if he was going to work to earn his own bread and butter and support his family like an honest man i would let him have it cheerfully but work is the last thing he thinks about it would degrade him ah it makes me so mad and she shook her head fiercely at the fire as she went on but the girl if he tells the truth is the right kind of stuff staying at home caring for her father wearing shabby clothes and even washing the dishes which i have no doubt hurts him the most i rather like this girl and for her sake i will give neil a chance though i don't suppose he will accept it there are those cotton mills which i had to take on that debt of carson's they have been nothing but a torment to me for the want of a capable man to look after them i will offer the situation to neil with a salary of two thousand dollars a year and ten per cent of net profits and i will let him have rent-free the house which carson occupied and will furnish it too and have everything in running order when he gets here with his bride that i call a right generous offer but bless your soul do you suppose he will take it and she interrogated the fire which made no response except that a half-dead coal dropped into the pan and went out into blackness of course he won't she continued for that would be doing something but we shall see i will write the letter to-night and ringing for her writing materials the old lady began her letter to neil telling him what she would do for him if he chose to come to america and try to help himself the work is not hard she wrote it requires more thought and judgment and tact than anything else but it will bring you in contact with some very second-class people scum if you choose to call them so and with some of the excellent of the earth as well for all grades are represented in the mills and for what i know the future governor of massachusetts is working there to-day but if he is you may be sure he has a book somewhere around and studies at every chance he gets for in this way our best men are made if you do not choose to take my offer i shall do nothing for you and bessie will be a fool to marry any one who does not care enough for her to be willing to work and support her i have no intention of making her my heir my will is made and i do not often change my mind still i have a fancy for the girl have always had a fancy for her and if you bring her to me on the terms i offer you will never be sorry this last miss betsy wrote because of the desire which kept growing in her heart as once it had before to look again in bessie's face to hear her voice to feel the touch of her hands and in short to have someone to love and be interested in as something told her she could be interested in and love bessie mcpherson the letter was sent to neil and the same mail took another to a well-known banking-house in london with which miss mcpherson had business relations 
to this house she gave instructions that the sum of one hundred pounds should at once be forwarded to archibald macpherson who was not on any account to know from whom the money came when her letters were gone she began again to build castles with regard to bessie whom she was expecting in spite of her lack of confidence in neil's willingness to accept her offer in fancy she furnished the large stone house on the cliff above the mills which bessie was to occupy and furnished it with no sparing hand in fancy she climbed the steep steps every day and went in and out with the freedom of a mother for such she meant to be to the young couple both her own blood and both seeming very near to her now when there was a chance of their coming to her and dispelling the loneliness of her monotonous life but she kept her expectations to herself not even telling them to lucy gray or hannah gerald her most intimate friends both of whom noticed a change in her but did not guess why she seemed so much more cheerful and happy or why she was so often in worcester inquiring the prices of china and glassware and household furniture generally once she was very near letting it out and that was when hannah was spending the afternoon with her and said i have received a letter from gray who writes that he spent a day at stoneleigh and saw your grand-niece bessie what did he think of her miss betsy asked and hannah replied he thought her the loveliest creature he had ever seen i do believe he is more than half in love with her for i never knew him so enthusiastic over a girl before yes miss macpherson said and remembering what she knew gray to be and what she feared neil was she thought oh if it were gray and bessie and that night she dreamed that it was gray and bessie and that she tore down the house on the cliff overlooking the mill and built there a palace something after the fashion of chatsworth except that it was more modern in style and general appearance and many pairs of eyes like those seen on the terrace at aberystwith looked into hers and many little hands rubbed holes in her stuffed dress and many little voices called her grandma the name she bade them give her in place of auntie Fifteen from january to march never had neil been more gracious or agreeable than during the interval when he was waiting for the answer to his letter he felt sure of a favourable reply and that bessie would be his before the june roses were in bloom and that of itself kept him in a happy frame of mind he was very attentive to blanche and very kind to his mother and he wrote long letters to bessie three times a week and went to church every sunday and gave a half-penny to every little ragged child he met and felt that neil macpherson was a pretty good fellow after all at last the letter came and neil read it in the privacy of his room and being alone with no one to hear called his aunt a name which sounded a little like swearing and paced up and down the apartment with the perspiration standing thickly around his white lips and a feeling at his heart as if he were not only bitterly disappointed but had also been insulted by the offer made to him an overseer in some cotton mills factories they call them there not if i know myself he said i stoop to that never the old woman is a fool this with an adjective and she evidently thinks she is doing a big thing two thousand dollars a year why that is not much more than mother allows me now and i am awfully hard up at times no bessie you must wait a little longer until something turns up as i am sure there will an overseer i and neil's voice was indicative of the scorn and contempt with which he regarded an overseer of cotton mills and the vast difference he felt there was between such an individual and himself 
neil was very sore and very much depressed and his depression told upon his health and he became so pale and haggard that his mother was alarmed and insisted upon his leaving england for a time and going down to cannes in southern france where several of her friends were spending the winter to this neil made no objection and wrote to bessie of his plans and made himself out so great an invalid that bessie felt a fear in her heart lest her lover should die and she be left in the world alone in case she did not dare finish the thought or put into words her conviction that her father was daily growing weaker with less care for or interest in anything passing around him this change for the worse had commenced with a heavy cold taken soon after the holidays and which none of dorothy's prescriptions could reach it was in vain that bessie tried to persuade him to let her call a physician no child he said it's nothing i shall be better in a few days when the weather moderates i do not want a doctor and if i did we are too poor how much have we on hand bessie did not tell him the exact amount for fear of troubling him in his weak nervous condition their christmas hospitalities had cost them dear and there was very little in the family purse with which to meet their necessities just after neil's departure there had come a letter from daisy who was in nice with some americans whose acquaintance she had made in paris and whose party she had joined these american friendships cost a great deal she wrote for they stop at the most expensive hotels and i must have a parlour and bedroom in order to keep up appearances so i really have nothing to spare just now but i send you a five-pound note which i borrowed for you from mr jack trevelyan who came day before yesterday and told me of his visit to stoneleigh if i am any judge he is more than half in love with you and when i said i was going to write and regretted that i could not send you any money as i was sure you must need it after so much company he insisted upon loaning me twenty pounds and when i refused so large a sum he made me take ten which i will divide with you it was very generous in him and when i said i should pay him as soon as possible he begged me never to speak of it as he would gladly give ten times that sum to one as faithful and kind to her father as you are jack is a good fellow and there is only one life between him and a title i hear try for him bessie i know you can get him write him a little note and tell him how kind it was in him to loan me the money that will be a beginning but you need not say how much of it i sent you as he designed it all for you he might not like it if he knew i kept half how is your father the last time i was home i really thought he was threatened with softening of the brain he seemed so sleepy and stupid and forgetful give him my love and believe me always your affectionate mother daisy mcpherson p s i hear lord hardy has returned from egypt and is expected here i am glad for a sight of him will do me good he is the best friend i ever had and the first except of course your father such in part was daisy's letter which bessie read with an aching heart and cheeks which burned with shame she wanted money sadly for her boots were giving out at the sides and the butcher's bill was unpaid and her father needed wine and jellies to tempt his sickly appetite and keep up his failing strength but she would have gone barefoot and denied herself food for a week sooner than touch the five-pound note her mother had wrung from jack trevelyan her recent guest it was begged it is a charity it burns my hand she said as she held the note between her thumb and finger i will not have it in the house and the next moment it was blackening on the fire where the indignant girl had thrown it together with her mother's letter which her father must never see 
oh how for an instant bessie loathed herself as she thought of her mother and saw in fancy the whole sickening performance in nice the daily jesting and badinage with those people around her second-class americans she was sure or they would not take up her mother but worst of all was the interview with jack trevelyan whose feelings had been wrought upon until he gave her ten pounds because of her poverty oh it is too horrible but i will pay it back some time she said and kneeling by the firelight with her hot tear-stained face buried in her hands bessie prayed earnestly that in some way she might be enabled to pay this debt to jack trevelyan in her excitement she did not then regret that she had burned the note though she knew that it was a rash act and that it necessitated extra self-denials which would tell heavily upon her with strong black linen thread and a bit of leather she patched her boots she dressed and undressed in the cold for she would allow no fire in her room she never tasted meat or tarts or sweets or delicacies of any kind but contented herself with the simplest fare and piled her father's plate begging him to eat and watching him with feverish anxiety as her mother's dreadful words rang in her ears softening of the brain was that terrible disease stealing upon him would the time come when the kind eyes which now always brightened when they rested on her would have in them no sign of recognition and the lips which spoke her name so lovingly utter only unmeaning words it was terrible to contemplate and bessie felt she would rather see him dead than an imbecile but what should i do with father gone she said and her thoughts turned to neil who would surely take her then even if he took her into poverty and so in a measure bessie was comforted and watched her father with untiring vigilance and felt that he was slipping from her and that in all the world there was for her no ray of joy except in neil's love which she never doubted and without which her heart would have broken it was so full of care and pain and it was just when her heart was saddest because her father had that morning called her daisy and when she corrected him had said yes but i can't think of your name words go from me strangely at times everything is confused that neil's letter came bringing her fresh cause for anxiety and seeming with its brevity and strangeness to put him farther from her than he would be in cannes whither he was going that night bessie cried herself to sleep and was so weak and sick the next morning that dorothy persuaded her to stay in bed and brought her up her breakfast of toast crisp and hot with a fresh boiled egg and a cup of tea which she declared would almost give life to a dead man but dolly bessie said you should not have brought me the egg they are two pence apiece and father must have them all can't you keep it and warm it up for him warm up an egg bless the child and dorothy laughed till the tears ran you can't warm over a boiled egg so eat it down it will do you good and you are growing so thin and pale here is a letter for your father but as he is asleep i brought it to you taking the letter bessie examined the address which was a strange one to her evidently it was on business and as nothing of that kind could mean anything but fresh anxiety and annoyance to her father she resolved to know the contents and if possible keep them from the weak invalid so she broke the seal and read with astonishment that messrs blank and blank bankers in lombard street london had been instructed by one who did not wish his name to appear to send to mr archibald macpherson of stoneleigh bangor the sum of one hundred pounds and enclosed was a cheque for the same oh bessie exclaimed as she sprang up and began to dress herself rapidly one hundred pounds why we are rich and father can have everything he wants i wonder how much a bottle of johannesburger wine would cost then there crept into her mind the question who sent it 
was it the honourable john was it neil or and bessie's heart stood still a moment and then beat with a heavy pain or was it jack trevelyan who had done this because of what her mother had told him of their needs it was like him she knew but if it were he she could never touch the money and without a word to her father of the letter she wrote at once to messrs blank and blank lombard street asking if it were mr trevelyan and saying if it were she must return the cheque as they could not keep it direct your answer to me she wrote as i transact all my father's business for him in two days the answer came very stiffly worded but assuring her that the donor was not mr trevelyan and that her father need have no scruples about taking the money and would have none did he know from whom it came this satisfied bessie who took the letter to her father confessing all she had done and with him trying to guess who had been so kind to them i can't think of no one except my aunt in america archie said and she is not likely to remember us in this way after so many years silence if i thought it were she i would write to her bessie said and at all events i will write to somebody and thank them and send the letter to messrs blank and blank in london they know who it is and will forward it for me accordingly the next bangor mail for london bore in it a letter from bessie to their unknown friend dear madam or sir whichever you may be she began i wish i could tell you how much joy and gladness and relief too your generous gift of one hundred pounds brought to both father and me god bless you for it and may you never know the want and actual need which made your gift so very welcome that instead of shrinking from it we could only cry over it and be glad that somewhere in the world there was somebody thinking and caring for us every night of my life i shall pray for you and if i ever know who you are and meet you face to face i will try and thank you better than i feel that i am doing on paper yours gratefully and sincerely bessie mcpherson p s if as papa half suspects you are his aunt betsy i am doubly glad because it shows that you sometimes think of us in the old home at stoneleigh and i wish you would write a few words to father it will do him so much good and he is so sick and helpless and lonely and i dare not tell you what i fear only he sometimes forgets my name and his own too and calls things different from what they are oh if he should die i should die too this was sent to messrs blank and blank with instructions to forward it to the donor but messrs blank and blank were very busy with other matters than forwarding letters of thanks they had just written to miss mcpherson that her orders had been obeyed and the money paid and so bessie's letter was put aside and forgotten for weeks and even months when an incident occurred which brought it to their minds and it was forwarded to miss mcpherson End of chapters thirteen through fifteen